Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs and where we push the limits of our understanding. We are Joe Landry and Lori Olford, your co-hosts, and we are glad to be with, here with you as we start off season number four. So thank you all for joining us. Hey there, Lori. How are you? Hey, Joe. Well, I'm doing really well. Season number four. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing well. And yes, it is good uh, to be back uh, after a break. Uh, we had a one-week break uh, between the seasons. And you know, we always seem to come up with fresh ideas for our discussion topics. Yeah, we do. Um, there's always some part within the whole theory of extraterrestrial life that we can focus on and explore more thoroughly and in ways uh, many people may not have ever considered. I mean, it's like Everything from Roswell to the Muammar asteroid and uh, from the Phoenix Lights uh, to the Bible. It seems like the possibility of aliens can be uh, found just about everywhere we look within the human story. And that's for sure. Uh, we always learn something, or some, we always learn some new angle uh, to what we uh, know about history, uh, religion, and science. Um, we always learn something new, something we didn't know before. And, uh, you know, I also learned something about you I didn't realize. Uh, so for everyone out there, you may be interested to know that Lori is actually a grandfather of five with a six one on the way in a, just a few months. <laughs> and uh, you call me an old man, eh? I only have three <laughs> grandkids. You have five. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's true. Uh, I do have five grandkids. And, uh, yeah, nothing makes you feel older than seeing your own children have their own children. But uh, I wouldn't change it for the world, and I'm sure all grandparents out there agree. Huh, Absolutely, uh, I wouldn't uh, ever change being an old guy with grandkids. Uh, being old is great. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. it's, it's great when you tell all these youngsters uh, how you used to take a pen and paper and write letters to mail off to people when you were away, and they look at you like you just told them you used to go to the telegraph office and send off a cablegram to someone. <laughs> Yeah, our good old pen pals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or when you tell them about how you used to have more of the or move the uh, the big and aerial antenna that was on top of your house. Yeah. So you could actually tune into the, what, five TV stations that were available in your area. Yep. Uh, well, depends, I guess, like maybe six or seven. City. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to be in a big city, you might have a few more yeah. stations. But uh I guess it could always be worse, right? So um, our topic for today is a pretty cool one. Uh, definitely cooler than something like the telegraph office. As we know, it has caught the attention of many people. It has mystified many people. and has become an entire genre of paranormal phenomena in and of itself. And that is the appearance of crop circles. And the name was coined in the 1980s after they became very prominent in England uh, as intricate Geometric designs uh, were noted to appear on the countryside suddenly and, and rather randomly. Uh, and according to Rob Irving and Peter Brooksmith, who wrote uh, The Art of the Hoax in Smithsonian Magazine dated December 12th, um, I'm sorry, December 15th, 2009, uh, the designs have increased in scale and complexity over the years and have started a new age craze uh, within our pop culture. So, yeah, crop circles. Um, 
Well, they have been showing up in farm fields for centuries. I mean, yeah, centuries. Um, they have been the subject of UFO enthusiasts from around the world. Uh, they are quite intriguing to Marblewad and sparks great interest into who or what made them. Now, were they created by Oaksers or by someone or something outside this world? Uh, like with all our episodes on Alien Talk Podcast, we break down the history surrounding these mysterious phenomena and attempt to find the answers. So could they be messages to us from advanced extraterrestrial life or earthlings with just way too much time on their hands? Um, there are even some who think that crop circles could have something to do with the uh, interdimensions in which uh, beings, perhaps uh, extraterrestrials or perhaps beings of some higher order, are able to transverse space and time in ways that uh, we are not able to detect and that they are responsible for making them. And their appearances actually do go back pretty far. Uh, there is a tale that in Hertfordshire, England, around 1678, there was something called the mowing devil. It was told in a pamphlet that had a woodcut illustration in it. And according to this account, uh, there was a farmer who refused to pay someone the price of having his oat field cut and said that he would rather have the devil do it instead. Uh, as the story goes, it appeared that the field was on fire that night. And then on the next morning, uh, the field was perfectly mowed. And it was said in the pamphlet that no mortal man would have been able to do it like that. <laughs> and now, of course, some researchers in crop circles like uh, Jim Snobble, who wrote uh, Round in Circles, claim that this story is nothing to get excited about because the mowing devil cut the stalks with a, a scythe and did not mash them or bend them to the way uh, found today with crop circles. So uh, let's break this story down. Um, you have the report of the field appearing to be on fire the night before. However, there was no report of the field being charred the next day. And if the farmer didn't pay the laborer, then why did he do the job anyway and do it so perfectly? I mean, did the worker change his mind and, and do it for free? I mean, come on, right? If, if the farmer uh, did it on his own, well, why not just uh, take the credit so as to spite the laborer who wanted to charge him too much money. Uh, I think the, the weirdest thing about this story is the statement that the farmer made that he would rather have the devil do it. Uh, was it the actual devil he was talking about, or was it some other spectacle that he had seen before? Perhaps the lights in the sky? Yeah, didn't he think the devil would charge him for the job? <laughs> well, maybe even take his soul in exchange for doing the job? Um, what was he thinking by making a deal with the devil? Um, I think to analyze something like crop circles, we need to really approach it with a skeptical mind. And we don't want to be one-sided about it. We never want to be one-sided with anything on our shows. So we do know that people can indeed make them. There are those who have come forward and admitted to making them in the fields and have demonstrated how they do it. I would actually go on to say that most, if not all, of the crop circles that we've seen in recent times were done by humans. The true question is, when did the idea originate? Where did the idea come from? We know that geoglyphs are found in many remote places around the world, like the Seren Abbas giant in the hills of Dorset, England, the Sahama lines in the mountains of Bolivia, 
the Atacama Giant in the northern desert of Chile, and of course the Nazca lines in Peru. Right, and we covered the significance of geoglyphs several months ago in our episode on ancient spaceports. And these ancient features have been with us far longer than the crop circles uh, that have become almost a global obsession. So did the aforementioned geoglyphs serve as a sort of inspiration for a new breed of agricultural artists to mimic them in a certain way? Uh, they are indeed unique and eye-catching, and um, it, they make you wonder why and how would someone come up with the idea to do this in the first place? Um, now, we're not saying that all crop circles are real designs lift here overnight by alien beings. Uh, on the contrary, we agree that most of them are fake, or should I say uh, elaborate hoaxes. But what is more important here is the beginning of their first appearances. And even if most are hoaxes, uh, could there be a small remnant of crop circles that are otherworldly in origin? Uh, remember what we've stated in previous episodes uh, that you know we should be cautious about speaking in absolutes when it comes to mysteries, whether historical or contemporary, uh, simply because we do not have hard proof to support either side of the argument. I'll call all stirs if you wish, but an argument supporting the belief about aliens creating crop circles is just sound as the one that claims they are all human in origin. So neither can be proven with certainty. So by the end of this discussion, we hope you will have a, a clear understanding of the nature of this uh, uh, phenomena. Right. Something we also have to consider is that many of the crop circle impressions are found in places that have frequent UFO sightings, like the English countryside. If we recall from the Rendlesham Forest incident that there were uh, three circular impressions found in the ground uh, in a triangular pattern from where the crash is thought to have landed near the airbase. Uh, many believe that the crop circles are caused by you know, things like the landing gear or the engines or the structural hull of the alien spacecraft or some kind of energy from something. Uh, there are often reports of balls of light being reported in the general vicinity of the formations, particularly in places like Wiltshire in England and uh, Dissenhofen in um, Switzerland. Yeah, let's not forget the uh, uh, we have them in the movies, too, like uh, Signs, uh, that airy movie with uh, Mel Gibson and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I actually really like that one. Uh, my daughter... Uh, however, on the other hand, hated it. <laughs> it still scares her, even as an adult today. <laughs> um, I sometimes play the music just to toy with her. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> such a mean dad. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but as you can remember in that movie, crop circles were showing up all over the world prior to an alien an alien invasion. Uh, Doesn't make any sense for aliens to leave us messages in wheat fields. Uh, if they are doing it, then maybe it's because there are a few prankster aliens pulling pulling one over on us and trying to get a kick out of uh, out of it. I guess. <laughs> yeah, truly, the the ones that I've seen are just incredible. Uh, the detail, the precision, and the expertise that they display really do put them up there with works of art. Uh, they do seem like they would be impossible to make by human hands, like a computer controlled machine would have had to have done them. Yet we know that people can and do make them like any other product of the imagination. 
uh, our ability to create uh, proves to be quite astonishing most of the time. Uh, I know on one of the episodes of Ancient Aliens, um, season 10, episode 8 to be exact, uh, Giorgio Sukalos was with a couple of guys who showed him how they made the crop circles. Now, even though they went through the steps they took to do it, it seemed not to do it justice. Um, specifically, how did they accomplish the whole task without being seen by passerbys? Or how did they manage their time so well in making this and, and leaving no mistakes in the process? Yeah, and... And while some of these crop fields are pretty large and in remote places, uh, surely someone would see something going on. Some pilot flying over uh, at a few thousand feet would catch the, the work in progress um, as these things are large enough to be seen from an airport. Of course, it would be a challenge to do it in broad daylight, let alone in the dark at night, as many of them seem to have been done. So you would almost have to assume they would need some artificial lighting and it would have to be sufficient so they could monitor the scale and measurements of the designs uh, they would be making. Uh, this means they might have to drag a considerable amount of equipment with them. So like you said, the, the uh, frequency of their occurrences has jumped uh, to the thousands in the last 20 years with a majority of them having very elaborate and uh, complex designs. Some of them do have stalks that are broken from being mashed down by heavy boots and wooden planks. And those are the ones in which Hoekster uh, uh, demonstrated their work to an observer. But in those cases where balls of light are said to have been witnessed in either close time or close proximity to where the crop circles appeared, we still lack a feasible explanation. Now, in some of these cases, a closer inspection of the stalks of wheat or rice or oats uh, shows that they were not cut or broken, but bent. And not bent as if stomped on, but in a rather peculiar way. According to American biophysicist William Levengood, one of the characteristics of the plant stems from the formations is the presence of uh, little nodes found on the stems that were larger than those that were found in other crops. Um, it was then Dutch theoretical physicist Elhito Hasselhoff who published a paper in the Journal of the Scandinavian Plant Physiology Society that uh, intense heat may have caused these nodes on the stems to burst, pop like a bubble, and, and make the stems bend in such a way as to make them collapse. Now, he alludes to the balls of light, which are often associated with the appearance of these formations as being the possible source of this heat, although he does not draw a direct correlation between the two phenomena. So this is reminiscent of the moving, um, the moving, the mowing devil story um, in which fire was said to have been seen in the farmer's field uh, the night before his crop was cut by the mowing devil. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. 
correct. So in his work, The uh, Demon Haunted World, a science as a candle in the dark, Carl Sagan makes a reference to the admission that crop circles were created by Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley. Uh, they came forward with it in 1991 and said they had been doing it for 15 years. You know, as intelligent as Carl Sagan was, I believe he had a problem with being biased towards uh, anything outside his scientific narrative that he had to fit. Uh, I say that because he speculated um, and, and assumed that uh, ufologists were willing to ignore the evidence for hoaxing in order to keep believing in aliens as the creators of the circles. Um, I, now, just look at the exchange he had with the uh, author Eric Von Daniken. Uh, Sagan once said in a forward to the book by Ron Story, The Space Gods Revealed, a close look at the theories of Eric Von Daniken, that the idea that beings from elsewhere will save us from ourselves is a very dangerous doctrine. If we look at it that way, then in general, so is religion. So look, um, a believer in God is biased to any idea which contradicts his or her way of thinking. So this is also often true for scientists like Sagan. Um, he thought the ancient astronaut theory that Von Daniken was promoting was similar to a religion with the belief in things like angels and gods merely being replaced by uh, aliens. Now, he came against Von Daniken even more by claiming that his theory was sloppy and that uh, because he was naive in the science of archaeology, uh, he just thought aliens must have played a part in all of it. But this is a biased statement and is no different than the closed-mindedness of a religious zealot. Um, we don't know who or how exactly the megalith structures of the world were constructed thousands of years ago. So von Daniken's theory is just as plausible as any other until more information is obtained and verified. Um, everything in archaeology can be rightfully questioned when we seek to learn how things like the pyramids were built, especially when the uh, conventional explanations such as that they were built by ancient humans using primitive tools made of copper and bronze fail to satisfy logical thinking. Well, I wouldn't say that Sagan was biased. If ufologists were unable to provide any evidence that the crop circles were made by aliens, uh, he was definitely a skeptic. We know that uh, Von Danigan was simply asking the question in Chariots of the Gods, if the ancient astronaut theory is at all possible, just, just like we do here on our program. And no doubt Sagan was pretty critical of Von Danigan, maybe even a little bit harsh towards him. But in his own writing, he does say that it is only fair to ask where the real unambiguous physical evidence is that would support a non-human enterprise to make them the way that they are. After all, we don't want to succumb to applying an argument from the incredulity uh, which would put forth a premise in which we state something as being more probable than validly necessary, uh, simply because we cannot possibly believe there is anything else that could explain it. Uh, <clears throat> this would be considered a fallacy. What separates science from religion is that religion can accept something as true based on faith, in which no evidence is needed to support the belief. Uh, faith actually upholds the belief uh, even in the face of evidence that may completely oppose it. So we must always let the evidence speak for itself by using a method that omits any presuppositional claims 
and employs a null hypothesis. Uh, that would be a process by which the opposite contention is postulated. In this case, that would be asserted as there is no relationship between the appearance of crop circles and UFO sightings. The deduction made uh, with this method is that if the null hypothesis fails under the validity and soundness of the argument, then under a sort of Aristotelian logic, the real hypothesis becomes self-evidently true. Of course, the evidence is often inconclusive, so we uh, usually cannot verify any hypothesis with complete certainty. But the degree of the claim determines the degree of the evidence needed to support it. Extraordinary claims demand extraordinary evidence. Right. And when we consider uh, what many people believe through faith, what is said in Hebrews 11 and 1, is the principle that they go by. As it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or evidence of things not seen. So even Christians who may deny the existence of extraterrestrial life on the basis of there not being any hard, fast proof of it are merely selecting what they want to have faith in. By using this scripture, someone else can, uh, can uh, find reason to believe aliens made the crop circles, as it is the conviction of things not seen. And the reason why they use this oftentimes is to, to try and prove that God exists in the traditional way uh, by using the uh, wind analogy, where they say that hey, God exists because even though we can't see him, we can see the effects of him, um, which would be such as the you know, wind blowing through the leaves. We, can see, we can't see the wind, but we can see the leaves moving. So, um, so that's what they use. Right. And then in um, verse six of uh, chapter 11 of um, Hebrews uh, expounds on this by saying, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So someone exercising faith by believing in something, that being anything, uh, they cannot, anything they cannot see, uh, but is nonetheless assured of it being real could easily say they are simply doing the will of God, as it would be by faith that they believe it is what he wants them to seek out, and there would be no way to prove the person is wrong in this belief, as it is an affirmation that is non-falsifiable. There would be no way to prove that this person is not uh, acting on faith, that God told him to believe something, because there's no way to prove what God told him. It's a non-falsifiable statement. All right. And this is why faith is so powerful on on the mindset. So did uh, to so back to uh, Bauer and Shirley. Did uh, um, Bauer and Shirley did they come forward and 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 uh, claim the hoax? Well, yes, of course. Um, that much is evident. However, we have to ask what gave them the idea in the first place. Um, also, what about the circles long before their time? Uh, there was a letter uh, sent to the editor of. Nature magazine in 1880 by a sort of amateur scientist named John Rand Capron, uh, in which he described how some circles were formed under suspicious circumstances. And he went on to suggest that they were possibly made by cyclonic wind action, which I guess is another way of saying tornado. <laughs> uh, notice how I said or emphasized uh, possibly. Uh, so even in the 1880s, these crop circles 
were being discovered and they baffled people back then uh, that they could not completely confirm by scientific analysis at the time and therefore had to give an opinion as to what may have caused them from the scientific narrative that they had to fit uh, by saying the cause was that of cyclonic wind action. Before that, we have stories about crop circles going back to the 17th century, which are still unexplained. Yeah, and when it comes to unexplained phenomena like crop circles or any kind of strange sighting like UFOs or uh, cryptozoological creatures, you know, Sasquatch, the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, the Mothman, etc., is that we can never say something is 100% precisely correct. And likewise, we can never say something is 0% probable. We, we always are working within a spectrum of likelihood. And we are usually left to come to conclusions by using our best reasonable judgment. So we now know that Bauer and Shorley came up with the idea, I guess way back in the 70s, to carry out this prank. And their motive may have been for no other reason than to entertain and amuse themselves and get a chuckle out of seeing people fall for their trick. And that gives us an explanation for some of them, uh, but we can't say that gives an explanation for all of them. Right. And, you know, these two proposals claim to have gotten the idea from an actual UFO event uh, that happened in Tully, Australia in uh, 1966. Uh, this is where a farmer saw a strange object rising up out of the nearby swampy and grassy area. Uh, when he went to investigate it, he observed the impression left behind by the UFO in the grass. So why would this farmer report this? Uh, he saw something very strange and he had to investigate it. Uh, he saw the impression impression it made and without thinking about the ridicule, uh, because it probably wasn't so in your face back then, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but he decided to make the report. So the two hoaxers were so inspired by this that they just had to conduct their elaborate and deceptive scheme. Uh, it makes me wonder what would have been if these guys didn't conduct this deception. I'm sure eventually someone else would have you know, came up with the idea, but maybe not to the extent it is today. And and maybe we would have had more mysterious circles occur that would be unexplainable. We see the same type of deception even today by way of videos. There is so much uh, footage out there of fake UFO films that we need experts to decipher if it's real or not. It's a shame that humans must be so deceptive, you know? It's so bad now that even legit videos of anything strange or out of the ordinary are quickly commented on as being fake, uh, even though they happen to be real. It's, uh, <laughs> it's freaking annoying. <laughs> Yeah, so the origin of crop circles, much like the origin of giants, dragons, Sasquatch, the Yeti, and everything else mythical and mysterious, comes down to ontology, which deals with the explanation of the substance of the being of an object or entity. <clears throat> the term being in philosophy meaning all of that which makes up the essence or the, um, the existence of something. <clears throat> so we have to ask, where do we get the ideas for these things? Did they come from traditions passed on to us from our belief systems by which we formed images within our minds? Uh, are they rooted in old stories and myths that derive from actual beings and objects that were encountered in the past uh, that is so distant uh, that the linguistics needed to accurately describe them had not yet been developed or else they had been lost to time? 
And let's take you know, Sasquatch, for example. Most of us have seen that old film footage from Washington State where Roger Patterson and Robert Gimlin succeeded in 1967 at capturing motion photography of an ape walking through the northern California woods in a human-like manner. Some believe this is visual proof for the existence of Sasquatch, and others think it is a hoax, that it's a guy tracking around in an ape suit. Um, it could very well be the latter, and I would say that more likely than not, it is a hoax, that it is a guy walking around in an ape suit. I cannot say with 100% certainty. It's just a reasonable assumption that is learned from the disclosure of other hoaxes, you know, where similar antics were done by people. Uh, however, the myth of Sasquatch did not come from Patterson and Gimlin. It has been around for hundreds of years among the Native American tribes of the Western United States and Canada. So long ago, um, there were people in those tribes, like the Natchez and Iroquois, who told stories about how they saw the gigantic beast who walked uh, through the forest and attacked livestock and it was given the name Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Bigfoot and uh, I hope we can do a show on it uh, and some other mysterious creatures soon. Um, the film footage you are referring to uh, was believed by the late author Lloyd Pye to be authentic. And he wrote in his book, everything you know is wrong, that it is a female hominoid and not male. Uh, because he observed that it had breasts. Uh, it was filmed for about nine strides that she took to the forest. Uh, when they checked the tracks, they were 14 inches long you know, and around five and a half uh, inches at the ball of the heel. But Patterson and, and uh, Gimlin were not into making hoaxes. In fact, they immediately requested expert scientists and tracking dogs to go out to the area. Now, this doesn't seem like what someone would do if they were faking a stunt and, and no one to this day even came forward to claim they wore that suit. The experts couldn't even make the imprints in the hard sand uh, with their own body weight to match those left by the Bigfoot, whose imprints uh, sank an entire inch and would require an estimated weight of 600 to 700 pounds to do it. Um, the breasts were even seen swaying back and forth as it walked and, and you know that back then the silicone work wasn't that great <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the point is that uh, there will always be people who will uh, dismiss things as fake as you know mr pie wrote uh, the reply remains the same just because something can be faked it does not mean it can be faked convincing well it can go either way some people believe it is an authentic hominoid um, other people do not. And I would say to Mr. Pye that the degree to which something can be convincingly faked is not always very high. But remember in our episode about UFOs inconspicuously illustrated in ancient art, how we found the paintings had images that represented something. It is not so much that the artists had seen these things themselves, but they learned of the appearances of them uh, being seen by others, uh, which was passed on through local tradition and storytelling down through the generations. So could the same be said of crop circles? Could it be that the pranksters, or the artists, if you want to call them that, uh, got the idea of doing this from the geoglyphs or other odd ground formations that have been talked about through folklore? Uh, the very notion that some higher intelligence is responsible for these, uh, whether that higher intelligence be extraterrestrial 
supernatural or spiritual is supported by the ontological argument for a first cause. So even if all of the crop circles were done by human hands, and the concept about them being done by something alien, maybe because the very first ones to ever be done far in the remote past were indeed done by something alien. So even if all the crop circles are hoaxes carried out by people, did the idea of some impression being made upon the ground uh, come from the stories of, of the geoglyphs, like the Nazca lines, uh, where these geoglyphs were created by our ancient ancestors because of their contacts with alien races. So, and even if these works of artistic design were dug, dug into the earth uh, by humans, uh, did the initial inspiration for them come from something beyond our world? And by way of that, does the thought to create crop circles come from the same innate inspiration that is within our minds? Oh, very good. Uh, now, the Nazca lines were made 2,000 years ago and cannot be deciphered from the land. You have to see them from the sky to get the picture of each one. From above, the lines reveal drawings such as a monkey, a killer whale, a hummingbird, a pelican, trees, plants, and geometric shapes. Most people believe that they were made by humans, but don't understand how they knew to draw them so well without seeing the whole picture of what they were drawing. So, um, like, they couldn't see the whole canvas on, on which they were painting the artwork. So the question is, and it's not a sloppy way of thinking this, but uh, could this have been done by pilots in the sky? For instance, could could they have been practicing their application of laser beam printing uh, technology so as to form images on the ground? When you picture something like that, just consider something like the uh, the Kailasa uh, Temple in Peru, India, over rural uh, India. If you ever look at uh, photographs of that, you'll see what I mean. It looks like some gigantic 3D printer went to work on carving this thing out of the rock face. Remember, some of the drawings are not native to the area, and there are mountains in the vicinity with their peaks removed and runway-looking lines on top of them. Now, this is strange, but it makes sense after a discovery like that of the uh, Quimbaya artifacts, which look like modern-day aircraft. Now, we discussed this in a much earlier episode about how the gods might have been flying around in these things back and forth between the pyramids in South America and around the world. Even. Oh, man, talk about a coincidence, right? <laughs> um, but the point is, when people claim to debunk something, uh, they tend to overlook or leave out the other details involved in the story. With these elaborate designs we see today, uh, I'm finding it difficult to accept that they're being done by extraterrestrials. But I think they would have uh, much better ways of communicating to us than the than by 3D printing in our in our wheat fields, don't you think? Um, it seems like a rather primitive way to uh, communicate that definitely leaves whatever the the message they're giving as being prone to uh, misinterpretation. I agree. If they are an advanced civilization that is capable of such technological mastery as etching large images on the ground <clears throat> with a laser beam from a spacecraft high above, then surely they would be capable of delivering a message to us in a more purposeful way, even if it was meant to be indiscreet and subtle and not so opaque. I mean, if it's a message that is really important, why not just come out and let us know directly? Why the game? Why the mystery? 
why not make sure we understand that message so that we are not left guessing what it is and therefore uh, become susceptible to getting it completely wrong, which would then be counterproductive. It's much like how we see in religion how God is said to communicate to people through dreams and visions and through signs and, and scriptures in ways that need to be deciphered, uh, almost decoded. And this has always led to subjective explanations about his will, his plan, and his message to people that cannot be verified as they are non-falsifiable. It's like when something happens, good or bad, and someone claims that God had talked to them about it, so as to tell everyone else the meaning of it uh, and what the meaning of it is, uh, there is no observation or evidence that can be given to contest it because we have no way from our own experiential knowledge to say what God did or did not tell that person. We weren't there to witness their dream or witness their vision. So to say that crop circles must be a message from God or a message from aliens and that the reason we have uh, so much trouble trying to understand that message uh, is because God or the aliens are so much more superior than us. That is just an ad hoc explanation. This is because it's an extraneous adjustment to the structure of the argument. The premise that crop circles are from a higher intelligence cannot be disproven by the inadequate evidence that we have to verify that to be thus true. Therefore, it's a fallacy. Yeah, um, yet another good point there, Joe. So like you had said, we usually can never be 100% certain or 0% certain when it comes to explaining many things in our world. We can say that most crop circles are hoaxers, uh, but to say all crop circles are hoaxes demands a totality of evidence that cannot be any more logically reached than the claim that they are messages that we simply cannot comprehend. Uh, some may be there for reasons that we don't know at this point in time. Perhaps one day we will know. Uh, just like how there was once a time when people didn't know why earthquakes happened. Uh, they didn't know about the plate tectonics of our planet. Now people do know. Yeah, yes, perhaps we could go with the adage that where there's smoke, there's fire, meaning that we see that weird things are occurring in the world in which we often do not have consistent, reliable, or verifiable information. So that leaves us to wonder if there is not some common denominator to all of these mysteries, that they defy our ability to fully understand what they are uh, for the very reason that their causes transcend what we fully understand about our reality. So since uh, we just talked about formation uh, appearing in our fields and how they may be associated with UFOs, uh, we have to ask if UFOs could also be involved in something more gruesome going on in our fields. This leads us to the topic of next week's episode about the reports of horrendous cattle mutilations. Are aliens or UFOs to blame for the thousands of animals freakishly slaughtered on a yearly basis? Or are there just some sick-minded and, I would say, morally deprived pranksters out there? Right. And this is another issue where the circumstances defy normal explanation so as to lead us to ponder if something else isn't at work. Like any phenomenon, we must look at all the facts and the evidence and draw conclusions from a methodical examination of them. Uh, just because we don't know what caused these kinds of mutilations doesn't mean we can make assumptions from any preconceived beliefs. So that should be another very interesting topic. 
We hope you all enjoy today's episode. Uh, please let us know what you think on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Until next time, stay curious, everyone. And take care, folks. Uh, be sure to tune in next week and hear us discuss our thoughts and logical analysis of the, the intriguing yet very creepy topic of animal mutilations. We look forward to being with you again. Stay safe. Have a wonderful week. Bye now.